Amen. I am glad you're in church today. I want to ask you a question. What do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? Every child who has ever walked the face of the earth, at least in our country, has been asked that question. I know I was. And the only acceptable answers to said question are police officer, firefighter, or astronaut. Can I get an amen in church today? All right. Okay. So that was just five-year-old Mitch were the only acceptable answers. But t- talk to me. Let's have class participation today. When you were a kid, what was the dream? What did you want to be? Come on. Talk to me. What, what did somebody say over here? An archaeologist. Let's go. Ballerina. Yeah. Now we're back. We're back on task here. <laughs> right? right. Like we all have the thing, right? Like I want to be a baseball player. or I want to be Michael Jordan or, you know, what, whatever the case was, like we all understand that because it's a shared human experience. We, we all relate to being a kid and having the wonder of the world in front of us. Right. Because we didn't know. <laughs> we didn't know what we didn't know. Right. We hadn't yet had life beat the snot out of us. And so we had these dreams. And that state of existence, right? It's what Jesus called childlike faith, right? We had this season as a child and and it's what Jesus calls us back to is to have this not childish faith, right? We're not naive, but we are called to that place of wonder, that place of having childlike faith where, where we actually do dream and we actually do have wonder and awe of the universe. You can't stand at the foot of the ocean and look out at sunset and not be overwhelmed with the goodness and greatness of God. And yet, in our shared human experience, one of the other things that every child in the world has to come to grips with is that they are under someone's authority, right? So within that dream, it is throttled by this realization as you get older that there's always authority over you. There, there's always some kind of authority. I remember being in middle school and high school and I could not wait to go to college because I just I needed to get out. I had I had wings. I needed to spread them and I, your boy needed to fly. And then I got to college and then I got married and all of those said plans that I had didn't happen because I realized because with authority comes responsibility, right? Like when you spread your wings, there's a price tag to spreading your wings, right? Like you got to go to school. You got to pay attention at school. You got to do your homework. You got to get good grades on your tests. You got to do that for four years. I had to do that. And then I had to go to seminary. Whoa. And you just realize that, that there is always an authority structure over you. And kids are very aware of that too, right? Because when they are in childhood, we can't wait to get to adulthood because we want to do all these things. And then we get to adulthood and what do we want? We want to go back to childhood because it was so much more wonder and all and life was simpler. And we tell our kids sometimes, you know, like, just, just be a kid. Don't worry. 
right? Like you, you have this season of childhood where you can dream and you spend your childhood in that place. And, and I think the capital C church is in some sort of weird space between the wonder of knowing the God of the universe and struggling with authority. Does that make sense? That, that, that maybe we are, because of our post-truth society, being discipled into this place where authority is to be questioned at every opportunity. And so we want to talk about that in this series. We want to talk about authority and doctrine and purpose. Like, of all the things that the God of the universe could have done, of all the things that he could have chose to work through, of all the things that he could have called you and I to be about... He called us to this thing. He called us to each other, to be his body, his hands and feet in the world, making disciples of all nations. And oh, by the way, billions and billions of people since Jesus walked on this earth have surrendered their lives to that vision, to that wonder, to that all of their life. And so my invitation to you is to come back into what God actually gave us and think through what what is it in this culture, in this moment, as the body of Christ, as a Christian, as someone at Redeemer City Church. Why do we do what we do? And it but it begins with this question about authority. Our culture, if you haven't recognized, I would encourage you to pay attention, has very little time for authority. Very little time for authority and really very little, a better way to say that is very little trust for authority. And frankly, that mistrust is not always misplaced. Authority is one of the easiest things. Power is one of the easiest things to abuse. And so if we were to be honest today as a church, that the capital C church, authority within the capital C church, and even the broader Christian community, when you include Catholics and others, we've abused that authority. Trust, as you know, is... Not easily gained, but it is easily what? Lost, right? Like we understand that. And so, so the church, frankly, has a PR problem. We've lost trust in authority. And then simultaneously, our culture has been asking the question of authority and mistrusting authority for a long time. And if you were to go into the authority structures of our nation they, we, have, we have some dirty laundry, right? We, we've not been trustworthy. And so I want to I ask you with that in mind, knowing all of those things to be true, and yet you're here, right? Be, because all of us still have within us that wonder deep inside. If the Holy Spirit's a part of your life, if you've surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus, there still is a trustworthy king seated on the throne. And some of his representatives, some of his ambassadors, as Corinthians calls us, 
have not been good representatives. But I want you to know that the king is still good. Jesus is still good. And I want to go back here as we look through this very short letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to one of his protégés, one of his understudies, one of his disciples, Titus. As Titus was stepping into a ministry assignment, as you saw in the video, to the island of Crete. And he was going to serve those people and love those people and disciple those people and appoint elders in the cities that were on the island of Crete. That there was a very intentional plan for the authority structure that God wanted to put in place. And just honestly, we've gotten that super muddy as a 21st century American church. Not just Redeemer, but the capital C church. That what God sent pastors and elders into the world for was very specific and not very complicated. And I want to encourage you with that today uh, by giving you three things to write down, okay? And if you take notes, you'll go to heaven faster. You get to the front of the line. And uh, I made that up, but you should still take notes because it's great. And uh, I want you to think about these things because I think they're powerful. Because when you look at authority, I even think about, it just comes to mind now what happened yesterday in Buffalo, right? Like here we have an 18-year-old kid who, in my opinion, saw an authority structure who gave him a vision and a dream that was wrong. And so it matters, like it matters what I do up here. It matters what our elders do as a community. It matters the networks we're connected to. Like, what are we doing? What is the vision being cast for you as a Christian in 21st century United States of America? I think we have to go all the way back to the Bible to recover what it is that we're supposed to be about. So if you are taking notes... The first thing I want you to write down, and then we're going to look at it, is this. Authority comes from a specific place. Authority comes from a specific place. This this is not just something that some of us wake up and are like, I'm going to go be a pastor and I'm going to do whatever the heck I want. Now, that is happening in our culture and city and nation and world. That's definitely happening. But that's not what God had in mind. There are very specific things that authority in church is called to. So it comes from a specific place. Look at the Bible. It says this in Titus chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. So remember, this is Paul writing to Timothy. He says this, Paul, a servant. He doesn't even get farther than three words in, and we're given the vision of what a pastor is supposed to be. Now, if I've tainted that for you, I apologize. <laughs> Your boy's still working on following Jesus just like you are. But, but listen, Paul, a servant. Pick up on the key words that are coming through the text here, okay? Because in other places, Paul listed his credentials and he didn't have to be a servant, right? He could have just taken the path of least resistance and rose the ranks of his religion and been All that he dreamed he could be when he was a kid. The dream for Paul was to be a religious authority and he got there. It's like if you would have had the dream as a child, I'm going to be an astronaut and then became an astronaut. Right? Like Paul had reached the pinnacle 
of what a Jewish boy would have thought. And so for him to be saying this to Titus was a huge deal because why did he get to the point where he went from stardom to servanthood? Because he met Jesus, right? If you know the Apostle Paul's story, he met Jesus face to face. He was literally knocked off his high horse by the glory of God. And maybe you're sitting here today and that's the thing you need to know. Like the reason this is hard for you is because you haven't met Jesus. And, and if, if you're relying on the rest of us to give you the experience that meeting Jesus will give you, we are going to let you down. Because Jesus is the center of the Christian faith, not what we're doing or what we can do or what we're going to do. It's him. And so that's huge. right? So Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the sake of, okay, again, intentional. He just keeps driving intentionality into this authority that God has given him for the sake of the faith of God's elect. So for your faith and mine, for the sake of God's kids and their knowledge of the what? truth you are living and i'm going to keep telling you this because you need to see it that you are living in a post-truth culture who has no time for truth no time for authority and your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth but that just that is not freedom because you were designed on purpose for a purpose by a god who loves you and gave up his son for you and so there's something specific for your life it says, for their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. And at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God, our Savior. To Titus, I mean, there's a lot in a, hey, what's up? It's a whole lot in there. To Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. Authority comes from a specific place. Paul declares himself not a leader, not a baller, not an entrepreneur, not any of the things that we would equate with great leaders, but instead a servant and an apostle in accordance with godliness, hope, and eternal life. A certain type of authority, no doubt, of the greatest importance. But notice here, it's for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth. It says nothing about building a huge following or huge buildings or big gatherings or any of the such. What he's saying to Titus is, God called me to people. God called me to serve people. And Titus, God's calling you as an authority person in the church, the local church of Crete, to be that kind of guy. So where does that come from? Where is that authority coming from? Did you catch it? It says of equal importance here is not only the kind of authority, but where the authority comes from. Because you could go get good information from a great TED talk or a great book, but that is not what we're doing. That is not what I'm doing. You do not need to know the things that I know if they are not things that come from 
God. Okay, so look what he says here. This type of authority is, is not what I feel is best or what our elders feel is best. We have a standard, a calling, an authority over ourselves as elders in the church. Right? It's God who never lies, promised, and manifested through the preaching of his word. It, 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 is, it is through his truth, his promises, his eternal life, his offer that we are declaring to you that Jesus is the truth, the way, the life. And there's no other way. That is our role. That is the elders in our church. That's their role to be sure that that is what I am doing. Because nothing else matters. This is what matters. So critical. John chapter 1, verse 1. Why is the word the most important thing? Why do we, why do we put such a big deal on the Bible in this culture, 21st century United States of America, who doesn't have any time for truth, doesn't have any time for authority, and yet we say we are 100% under the authority of this book. Why? Why? Because the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. John chapter 1. Jesus is the word become flesh. And so we put all of our eggs unashamedly in that basket. Right? So important that you understand that authority comes from a specific place. And that place is a person. And his name is Jesus. You are not giving your allegiance to Redeemer City Church. You are surrendering your life to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And his name is Jesus. Amen? Let's go. I'm fired up about it. Number two. Because of that truth. Number two, authority is God's. And it's stewarded by his elders, by his pastors. Authority is God's, and it's just stewarded by us. It's just stewarded. Look at verse 5 to 9 here. Paul says this, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order, and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. That's why every church in this area, every church around our country, has their own elders. Or they should. Because that is... The path that God created for you to be able to trust his word and authority. And so when, when we mess that up, it's because we messed that up, right? Not because his plan was bad. And so appoint elders. And if anyone, and, and then not just anyone, right? The authority's God's and it's stewarded by his elders. So, so not just anyone gets to do it, right? Like, we surrender as pastors and elders in the church to live a certain way, right? So, so look at what he says. He says, if anyone's above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer, that's my role, an overseer is what? God's steward. We just said that. Authority's God's. We just steward it. So important. Must be above reproach. You must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Stop. I failed already. God's not looking for perfection, right? 
he says, be perfect because I am perfect, but none of us are perfect. So what's the point that we surrender our life to Jesus because Jesus is perfect for us? That is the gospel. And so if, if that's not my message and my testimony, then I don't deserve to be up here. If I actually get up here and tell you that I am all of those things, that's a problem. If I can't admit to you when I'm wrong, then there's no reason for you to follow me towards the cross because I apparently don't need it. Right? How do, how do I get there? I surrender to Jesus because Jesus is those things. So critically important that if you're just reading that, you're like, there's Mitch's to-do list. You failed. You're gone. No, no, no. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. And, and that's my testimony. Super important. Super important. So then what do I do with that? Verse 9. Here it is. He, the pastor, the elder, must, must, must hold firm to the trustworthy word. Okay, so here we are. We're back to trust and authority. Trustworthy word, right? So important. I'm holding fast to the only thing that is able to hold you fast in a fast-paced, moving society like the one we live in. So important. Hold fast to a trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in, next week, sound doctrine and rebuke those who contradict it. So important that we understand that because in verse 5, we get the what, right? We get the what, Important for every role, but of great importance for those of us called into pastoral ministry. And I believe some of you will be called into pastoral ministry. Some of you already are. You're working on it. And it's critical that you understand what it is that we're doing as we lead the church. We're not here for the typical things that one does a job for. And even just as a church member, you should know that your pastors, we, we aren't here for what one typically does a job for. If the church grows a ton, great. But that's, that's not the goal of a pastor. And I struggle with that, just to be honest with you. So I think you people are great. And I think there should be way more people who want to know you. But that's not the goal. The goal is that you would be grown in godliness. right? That you would be equipped for every good work. That's the goal. That you would. That not that I would do all the ministry, that God would tap you on the shoulder and you would begin to do the ministry of God's church where you are. We don't do a ton of things here. And maybe you've wondered that. And I want you to know the reason why is because my role is to equip you to go where God's called you at work, at home, in your neighborhood, when you're hanging out on Friday night, when you're doing all the things that you're already doing, that you would be salt and light in the earth. I love what the message says. Eugene Peterson says that you would be the God flavors in the earth. Why? Because everything tastes bad in the world. We need... We have something to offer. There's freedom in Jesus that is not available anywhere else. That's why we go into the hedges and highways, as Jesus said, and compel people to come in because there's nothing else like it. Jesus is the bread of life and people need life. Critical. So not just anyone jumps up here. There's quite a lot, quite a list there to qualify men and women who lead in the church. Not perfect, 
but surrendered heart and soul before God and the church is the posture. Powerful. Powerful. It's a, re- it's a reason why city groups are so important this summer. We're, we're actually doing a portion of our regen curriculum. Why? Because it's discipleship. We're going to walk you through daily disciplines, right? We've been talking about that for months and months and months. Now we want to do it with you. So get in one. Join one. There's, there's options. If there's not an option that works for you, tell me. I'll make one. Okay? Because we want every single person who calls Redeemer City Church home to be in a group. Because it's our job to equip you to do the work of the ministry. How do we do that? By being together in a group under a specific direction, stewarded by God's word. So important. Paul lays it out beautifully in his letter to the Ephesians, right? So Paul wrote a different letter to a different group of churches. And here's what he says in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. I think I gave you 10. I'm starting in 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. Why? Verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, the building up of the body of Christ. I'm not just making this stuff up. Until what? We all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. The world. There, there are so many competing ideas for you, for your faith, for your hope, for your joy, for your life. What are you to turn to? The only one that stood the test of time. The Bible. And he goes on, rather speaking the truth and love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, right? So Christ is the center. From the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, so you have to be equipped, and then you have to be working properly, makes the body grow, that it builds itself up in love. That's the vision. That's the thing. That's what we're doing. And it's not about me. It's about us. Right? So critically important. So number three, authority has a great why. There's a great why for all of this. And I want you to see it. Authority has a great why. So that you can be sound in your faith. There's a reason that churches all across the country pull a pastor out of the secular marketplace and say, we want you to devote your life to making sure that we are sound in our faith. That's my job. And so why is that important? So that you can be sound in your faith. Look at verse 10 to 16. It says this, for there are many insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. Uh, if we could just take out circumcision party and put any number of people in this city, just to be honest with you. There are so many things and so many places that are vying for your allegiance and your lordship. They, they want to be lord of your life. And I just want you to know that that there's only one person worthy of that, and it's Jesus. Because there's so many, there's so much noise, right? There's so much noise. I mean, you, you just Google what diet should I be on, and you've got one guy saying meat, one guy says plants, the other guy's like, plants are the devil, the other guy's like, meat's the devil, and you're like, I don't, I'm, I'm, I don't know. 
right? And you can just, you can keep going, right? And then if I was to poll you, you'd all have an opinion on that. I don't care about your opinion. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm having a burger today. <laughs> Let's go. I don't want to hear it, Jerome. <laughs> no, but do but you understand what I'm saying? Is that any issue you pick, if you Google it, there's a thousand books, there's a thousand experts. No, no. Not for your life. By the way, all of those things could be good things. And you should probably devote yourself to that. And get in shape and do all, do all the things we're supposed to do. Right? But when it comes to your soul, right? What does the Bible say? That you need an anchor for your soul. Right? There's a lot, a lot of things that can make your body healthy, your mind healthy, your relationships healthy. Because truth, all truth is God's truth. Right? So if it's true, it's God's. But when it comes to the anchor of your soul, when it comes to joining a family, a church... This is what matters. He keeps going. Here's what he says in verse 11. They must be silenced. You're like, ooh, that doesn't sound loving. It's not loving to let you just walk on a path that's going to lead you to hell. That's not loving, is it? It's, it's not loving to let you destroy your life. That's not loving, Right? If I see one of my children about to step into the road, I'm not like, well, they wanted to. No, that makes me bad. Well, it's just, it, it was their truth. It was their time. Like, no, you're an idiot for letting your child walk in the street, right? But for some reason, when we come to other issues, we, we don't think that that truth matters. And it does. It does. And so Paul's saying, Let, let's silence the noise. Let's silence the voices that are competing with what God's already told us. Because it's trustworthy and true. Look at verse 13. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in faith. By the way, none of those things that Paul says are because he hates people. It's because he wants them too to be sound in their faith. He wants them too to know Jesus. So there's plenty of there's plenty of churches and voices that are loud who are rebuking people sharply, but not for that reason. Right. Listen, some of you young adults who who are serious about your faith, I know you're reading books and you're looking at YouTube and you're doing all these things. The why matters. The why matters. Why say that? Why rebuke that person? Why do that? It has to be for what God is for to be sound in their faith to love people verse 14 not devoting themselves to jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth i love this verse to the pure all things are pure but to the defiled and unbelieving nothing is pure but both their minds and their consciences are defiled they profess to know god but they deny him by their works they are detestable disobedient and unfit for any good work Hard things to hear, but important things to hear. There are bad leaders in a lot of churches. And I'm not saying that I'm a great leader. And if I turn into a bad leader, our elders will remove me because I'm a bad leader. We have that structure. A lot seem good. 
entrepreneurial, great fundraisers, lots of people, but if they aren't there because God called them to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, they're a bad church leader. They might be a great business leader, and they should go do that. And then tithe. (laughs) To help the church have good leaders. But Paul says there's a lot of empty talkers and deceivers. And you know that. You've seen them. You've heard them. They're everywhere. If I ever ask you for a private jet, you should just say no and quietly remove me from my office as a pastor. I don't need a private jet to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Fly coach just like everybody else. So it it matters. I'm I'm joking with you, but I'm not because that happens. It happens. So Paul tells Titus to rebuke those leaders. Why? For the same goal of our preaching to people, God's word, to that everyone would be sound in their faith. So, so, so how do I wrap that bow? How do, how do we wrap that bow? I want to I wanna close in this way. I want to ask you, if you're watching online, I want to ask you, are you sound in your faith? Are you sound in your faith? We talked a few weeks ago about deconstruction. Are you sound in your faith? I want to invite you to think through that. Are you equipped for every good work that God has called you to? Because he is calling you. If you are his and you are in his body, you have a function at Redeemer City Church. We just haven't found it yet, maybe. Listen, you can today take one of two incredibly easy next steps. You can get started in growth track with Jerome. Doesn't matter that he's in step two. We'll do step one at the end. It's not just for the heck of it because Jerome would probably rather go eat lunch. But no, no, no. It's, it's because we're called to equip you to do the work of ministry. And so step two is all about you. Who's God made you? Taking an APES test. Taking a taking a a personality leadership test, like to dig into how God's made you and wired you and how we can use that in step three next week to serve the church. So important. You can, you can sign up for that with Connor at the back today and jump in. Okay. It's not to entertain you. It's not going to like, wow, you like it. It's to help you do what God's called you to do. The second one is a city group unashamed plug right here. You need to be in a city group. Okay, You need to be around God's people getting equipped. And those are the two places that getting equipped begins at Redeemer. If it's just an hour on Sunday, it's not enough. You're malnourished. Right? You wouldn't eat one hour a week. It'd be awful. You wouldn't drink just one cup of coffee a day. Amen? No, no. We have four or five because it's great. Don't judge me. Thank you. Kevin's judging me. Kevin doesn't drink coffee. Pray for the brother. You believe he leads you in worship every week and doesn't drink coffee? Unbelievable. I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. He doesn't. It's weird. We love him anyway. But what, what has God called you to? Are you sound in your faith? How can we equip you? That's why we do what we do. Because there is someone who is trustworthy and true.
the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. Glory as of the father, full of grace and truth. Amen. It's worth your life. It's worth everything that you have. I want to close this uh, because one of the great things that authority in the church does is not give me power, but gives me the right to walk you to Jesus. And what better way to do that than at the communion table? So I'm going to have the band come up. They're going to they're going to play for us in a minute here. But 